Fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Welcome to episode 782 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How's thing going up your end? Um, I beg your pardon? That's rude, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we, we, th- we uh, what do we have? Uh, yep, 30 degrees in here tonight, currently. What is it? It's uh, quarter past nine and it's 30 degrees. <laughs> but yesterday, no, well, yeah, yesterday it was, it topped out at like, 26 yeah and the night before it was 30 something but it was only like six degrees that night (laughs) (laughs) so we're having this weird weather at the moment but i got the ac on in here keep it at a good temperature uh yeah some of us can't afford that luxury i mean i technically have ac in every room yeah (laughs) just can't have it on the time (laughs) they come on during the day when the solar's pumping yeah. out but um although it's not like just even the air moving i've got the fan on and that's you know it's right. hot but it's it's bearable yeah so it's afternoon, yeah, it's a, i was gonna say it's weird weather we're having we had yeah. um they have massive snow dump it in the snowfields last oh. weekend <laughs> and then that cold front come through and it went from 30 degrees to like an 18 degree day and then three quarters of the east coast of inland Australia is currently underwater. Are we supposed to be summer at the end of next week? Oh, I, I don't think it. Well, we we don't have um, spring at the moment. We're just bouncing between winter and summer. Yeah. It's winter for a couple of days. It no averages out to spring, right? If you average yeah. out the numbers. <laughs> On average, yeah. <laughs> It's just one so, day it could be 40 and the next day it could be 10, but if you average that out, it's spring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and I've got a lot of family currently displaced with all the floods that are happening. Oh, crap, not again. Or is it no, still? Uh, well, technically still because the especially down through sort of southern and like central and southern Queensland and northern Victoria, uh, Sorry, southern New South Wales and northern uh, Victoria. It's just so flat that the water's moving so slowly. Yeah, it's got new. It's taking, you know, they thought a lot of the areas were going to peak like last week, but they think now it's going to be like middle of next week. It's just just so slow. And by the time it goes down, it's on its way back up again. Well, it's, yeah, it's just... um, so spread out and just such that they, they, you know, I mean, the middle of the middle of those areas flooding isn't new. Like there's 
we've got photos and and stuff of of people driving um, paddle steamers and stuff across what are now farms. So yes. like it has flooded before. Yeah, everyone's just forgotten that it has, and everyone built in floodplains. They're supposed to be getting outlawed soon or something. Or they talked about it, whether it actually happens or not. They talk about it every time it floods. Yeah. Although I tell you what, though, what is getting? Um, I'll see if I can if I can find the post on it. But I uh, read a, an article um, the other day that uh, insurance companies. Uh, let's see if I can find it. They're going to raise Lismore's base level up ten meters. <laughs> No, insurance companies actually, um, oh, where is it? New South Wales, flood, as New South Wales flood victims try to piece their lives and homes back together, they're receiving devastating news from insurers. Uh, insurers are telling residents there's a um, moratorium on flood protection in the community amid recent events. Despite the area's historical and frequent flood events, Homeowners in central western communities such as Forbes and Molong are receiving letters and calls from insurers notifying them that flood protection policies will not be available to be renewed. A Forbes resident told Daily Telegraph that their insurer informed them on October 31st that their flood cover would not be renewed beyond December because it's a risk to their property that's been reassessed. Another resident was told that their insurer would not renew any form of protection for their property. Forbes... Forbes... Mayor Phyllis Miller said that the insurers said there was a moratorium on postcode two eight seven one. Yeah, they don't like paying money. They like taking it them insurance places, but they don't like paying it out when it's due. And no, I'm still having a hell of a time with them. Yep. Um, but yeah, so basically, if you're living anywhere that has had flood waters in it, um, they just keep an eye on your insurance policy because they may cancel your flood. And what uh, about bushfires? They'll have to cancel that as well. You can put it past them. Yeah. Well, and then when you stop, you know, like... Yeah. Why get insurance at all by that stage? You know. Like, I, I know somebody... Well, I know somebody who... They didn't have uh, bushfire cover because they lived in an area where there wasn't... There had never been a bushfire. Um, But they're... I can't remember the exact order it happened, but I think their shed caught on fire. Yep. And the strong winds caught the bushland around their property on fire and the wind changed direction and blew back the other way and the embers set their house on fire. Yep. But because it was caused by a bushfire, the house wasn't covered. Oh. Right. Even though they technically started the fire. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, but hang on, how can you prove that the embers... He, he just basically said to him, how can you prove that the... Embers that landed on the house were from the bush and not from the shed, which was three foot away from the house. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we can. I said, no, you can't. And this can either go one of two ways. You can either just man up and pay it out or I can take you to court and we can drag this out and you pay ten times as much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, did I mention I'm a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't go down too well. Guess what they did. <laughs> they paid out. Oh. But uh, yeah, no, they're they're just scum. They, they don't mind taking your money. It's, but I mean, <laughs> what do you do? You, yeah. you you know, I know some people who don't have insurance. They just pay the couple of thousand a year they put aside yep. instead of paying it to an insurance company. They put it in the bank, which is fine if it's thirty, forty years before you never to use it. But if it's twelve months and you've got to use it, well, you haven't got quite that much there. 
you know, because we did that. But we had the massive hailstorms two years ago. Or whatever that was. Yeah, 18 months ago, two years ago. Wow. Um, that, you know, did a whole heap of damage. And then we had the flood come through at the start of this year. We did a whole heap more damage. And then a couple months after that, I had another smaller flood come through and did a bit more damage. You know, sure, I'm still fighting with the insurance company, but at least I am getting most of my stuff paid out. Yeah. Not as much as I would have hoped, but at least I'm getting more than if I didn't have insurance at all. (laughs) So, I don't know. It is all fun and games. It's how it is from now on. It's going to be the new norm. Mm Mm-hmm. The new norm. Make things as difficult as possible for everybody involved. Wasn't he on those life being at ads? Norm? Wasn't yeah. he the dude who uh, uh, interviewed people and had toilet paper on his face? Yeah, that too. Until <laughs> <laughs> so the poor fellow had a nervous breakdown from all of that. He did. Uh, he did. Uh, Although he did recover, I understand. But yeah, yeah. he had so much going on that he. Um, you spread yourself too thin, son. Just, yeah. Well, unfortunately. Oh, speaking of which, I saw today they're going to reboot. Mother and son. They've rebooted everything else. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, there's a. Oh, I can't remember the. I was watching a YouTube clip the other day of the reboots coming out next year. Yep. And there's like ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another uh, ROPD coming out. Yep. That was actually that'll be cool because the first one was really good. Yep. Um. Yeah, there's just so many. So many other stuff. It's like, why even have a a new idea of any kind? Fresh idea, we'll just reboot all the old stuff until at infinitum. Apparently they're looking at bringing um, Gladiators back. Huh. Because <laughs> um, the, uh, the Gladiator legend Wolf says he's appearing on the... Uh, 2023 reboot. Ah. So there's the Neighbours reboot. Yep. It's there's going to Amazon now. A Blade reboot. Yep. Um, what else is there? Oh, I don't know. So much stuff. Rock Wiz. Oh, that's coming back. Yeah, that's coming back. You've got new presenter there. Yeah, 2023 Survivor. Uh, Rock Wiz uh, doesn't say... Yeah. Um, DC Comics reboot, Friday the Thirteenth reboot. <laughs> there yeah, another another reboot. Back to the Future reboot because there hasn't been four hundred of those. Never happened. Uh, Futurama reboot. Dungeons and Dragons twenty twenty three the movie. Uh, Mother and Son yeah ABC reboot. Who's it going to be? Denise Scott, yep. Matt O'Keefe. Denise Scott and Matt O'Keefe is Maggie and Arthur. Oh, dear. <laughs> Sounds great, right? Exorcist Trailer 2023 reboot. Yikes. Us Party 2023 reboot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just stupid. Like, everybody apparently has just completely forgotten how to, you know, do something. I remember on um, Jane's Silent Bob Strikes Back and they were doing a film in the film and they were saying, this yeah. is going to make House Party 1 look like House Party 2. 
House Party 3 even. Isn't there been a dozen of those already? Probably. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them. Australian Idol. Australian Idol reboot. Uh, Titanic 2, Jack's Back reboot. <laughs> it's a parody, he apparently. He I kind of hope they do that because it kind of deserves it. <laughs> he meets up with uh, Neptune and Triton underwater and becomes a sea god or something. <laughs> uh, 2023, Big Brother. Jeez. <laughs> wonder if Radar will who, be doing that one. Who framed Roger Rabbit? How is Can't. that going to work? Um, Bill Murray was supposed to be going that and he didn't know they couldn't get in contact with him because Bill Murray's always been difficult for anyone to ever get in contact with so he missed out and mm. then he was like oh hey I would have liked to have been in Roger Rabbit like, well we tried yeah, to get you the reboot apparently it's got Michael Payne John Mulaney Scar- Scarlett Johansson Shaquan Phoenix ah. Bobby Mahanan, Kate McKinnon, Degrassi reboot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, HBO Max reboot set to premiere in 23. Filming begin in Toronto, so it's going to be Canadian. Just reboot all the things. Uh, Power Rangers movie reboot gets a release date. One of the guys died recently, the green Power Ranger. Yeah, Blade reboot. Hmm. X Men animated Maybe series reboot. Super Mario Brothers. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen the trailer for that? Super Mario Brothers. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Is not I don't care oh, how voice. much of a voice he does or it's doesn't put Mario. on, he is not Mario in yeah. any way, shape, or form. They should have got the original guy, he's still around. He can uh, do it. Anybody. It could have literally been anybody in the world could have done a better job than Chris Pratt. It's Chris Pratt playing Chris Pratt. Yeah. I mean, except maybe Nicolas Cage, because he probably would have done the same thing. But, <laughs> like, seriously. See, Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu worked because in the end you found out why it was like that, but... Yeah. It's... Mm. Buffy reboot? What? <laughs> These Hollywood people uh, are crazy, man. Exorcist reboot, you saw that. Lord of the Fallen. Couldn't be yeah. Joss Whedon, though. Everyone hates him now, so... Babylon 5 project. Oh. By Warner Brothers. Apparently that's good, but it's not available to stream anywhere in the world, so... <laughs> it was like the other night, I went... To, I wanted to watch Tank Girl. Oh, I love that movie. The only place you can watch it streaming, quote, legally, unquote is if you've got Disney Plus and then you also pay for an MGM streaming subscription on top of your Disney Plus subscription, you can watch it on Disney Plus. Really? Yep. Not available anywhere else on any other stream. You can't even buy it in Google Play movies or iTunes movies or anything like that, which I happily would have done. Just just stream it on Twitch. Yeah. Because <laughs> apparently you can do that now. You can do it on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Twitter. So yeah. I meant, yeah. Everyone's uploading movies to Twitter because Elon turned off the copyright checker. He's like, we don't need that microservice. I don't even know why it's there. If you run a VPN, you can watch it on Amazon. Oh, okay. It's on Amazon, just not in our location. Yeah. It's illegal <laughs> to have it in Australia. How crazy. Yeah, because the, the internet stops, you know, yeah. once you get over the border. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's on um, oh, same thing on YouTube. It's available on YouTube. Yeah, you have to buy but it. But not in Australia. <laughs> Why don't they want us to watch Tank Girl? I got Tank the video. Girl. I got the video back in the day. I got nothing to play it on anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? As far as I'm concerned, if I have the video, I can just do it anyway because I own it. I paid for it once. That should be enough. Uh, it's available on IMDb. Archive.org. Sorry? Archive.org's got it. Full version oh, of yeah. it on archive.org. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check that out then. I even found one place that said it had been available on Tubi, but they must have removed it. It was added in... It was added two years ago and it's still up, so... Public library exception to US Copyright Act. I did watch something. Oh, um, Spinal Tap. I watched that last week oh. on archive.org. <laughs> it's on there. You, you don't think of archive.org being somewhere you want to go and watch movies, really, do you? No. But apparently it's the new thing. <laughs> apparently <kids>. it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it's probably fine for movies where they don't actively ch- chase infringements so fringe popular cultures or something that they're like well we weren't going to make any money from it well I watched I think I'm going to double check myself before I say this double check yourself before you double wreck yourself Um, I think I watched Rocky Horror on archive.org yeah there you go Rocky Horrors on Archive.org. <laughs> nice. I'll have to watch that. It's been a, like 20, 30 years since I saw that. Really? I actually went and saw it um, in Oops. Sydney. They had it at, um, I can't remember what suburb it was, but you could see it. They have the like the Mystery Science Theatre 3000 type thing where they show it on there, but you also have people up on stage oh, yeah. acting and then they're like, if this is the first time you've been to a Rocky Horror thing, that makes you a virgin. You have to dance, stand up and dance when we do the dance. Yep. There's actually a list of stuff you're supposed to take when you go to the um, when you go to the interactive shows. Well, it was hilarious because we're sitting on the bus and you can see all these people walking to the theatre and these old ladies sitting on the bus going, look at all these girls wearing these stockings. They look like prostitutes. I can't believe people are wearing that these days. Fishnet stockings out in public. <laughs> and we're like, oh, uh, yeah, we know where they're going to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can find it. I found it on one of the theatre websites. That, here we go. No, no, that's driving. Um, Someone doing it in Brisbane. Yeah, they had it in the... They were doing... Oh, where was it? One of the theatres... In Brisbane, just well, not actually in Brisbane. This side of Brisbane was going to close down, yeah. and um, uh, they were just going to do a massive, big interactive um, no, like a they're going to do all the cult movies, yeah, and the ones where like Rocky, where everybody dresses up to go and watch it. And they oh, did yeah. like Back to the Future, they did Rocky, they did um, what else they do. They did. Oh, I can't think now. A couple other those those cult classic ones, but um, 
and they put up a list of all the things. Um, I went and saw uh, the crew somewhere outside of Brisbane when I was up there. They had it a cult classic show. You can buy oh, alcohol yeah. and at the bar and take it in the cinema with you. I thought that was fantastic. Immersive. Here we go. See if this tells me what I need. Uh, movie tickets. Oh, it doesn't. I'm not going to find it now because I'm looking for it. But basically, said you need to take. Um, you need to take a newspaper, you need to take a torch, you need to take rice, you need to take toilet paper, you need <laughs> to take something else. Yep. And it tells you, uh, they, when they, um, on the thing, it tells you where you use that, yep. that, those things for. That and it was, cool. it was hilarious. <laughs> it was great. Um, <sighs> afternoon i wandered down to the local radio station did some practicing for doing a show so i should be back on the air soon two bob radio two bobs that's, that's a I bit st- more than two bits yeah that's where i started back in must have been about 87 or something i started in radio at two bobs so i'll be back there soon so i was just getting used to how their music player jazzler works and where the music is and how they like presented and stuff. So I did a demo show that went for about an hour and recorded it for them to listen to. So hopefully I'll be on the air again soon. But I picked the right time to join because um, this Sunday they've got the Christmas party and then Friday they've got the Foster Radio Christmas party that I'll be at too. So <laughs> I'll be at a couple of Christmas parties that I wasn't going to be going to. Yeah, yeah, it's oh yeah. That's only like six weeks away now. Oh, not even. Yeah. What Christmas is only what one, two, three. I can't count. <laughs> two, three, four, four and a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. What's going on this year, man? <laughs> It was like, last time I checked, it was like Easter, and then sort of, it went from Easter to Halloween to Christmas. I don't know where the rest of you went. It jumps around like that. I already oh. bought my Christmas present, got a two terabyte NVMe Samsung 990 Pro Series SSD drive, put all my Steam games on it. I think it comes under the category, tell me you've got too many games without telling me you've got too many games. <laughs> I can't talk. I've got a two yeah. terabyte spinning disk, um, and I've got three hundred gig free, yeah, yeah. and that's only Steam game. And there's two. I actually checked. There's two Steam games not on that drive. They're on my C drive. Yeah. So, plus Minecraft and its mod packs are all on my C drive as well. So I probably don't even have that. I probably have used all that two terabyte. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> that's. I need to boot my NAS up just so I can copy all my games. On the problem is I, I install them all because. When you want to play them, it takes forever to re-download it and install it. But apparently, there's a way you can like put all the files on my NAS, yep. so that if I want the game on demand, it just copies it across. It doesn't have to actually re-download it. Oh, okay, that'd be nice. But then you'll get yeah. an update, and you'll have to re-download anyway. Yeah, but only the updates. Like, it'll, apparently, it'll do it. Or there's a Steam manager. Some there's I don't know exactly how to do it. But I watched Linus do it. 
there's a way you can have Steam running, uh, whether it's on the PC or whether it's on the NAS, and it keeps the files updated. So when you go to grab it, it just pulls them back across. And same if you've got a game installed, you've got, say, because I've got my computer now, I've got Bob's computer, and they've all got Steam on them, but apparently there's a way where... If we both have the same game, it can put the updates on the NAS and then it can just pull the updates off there so it doesn't have to download it twice. Like he did with that big case for his LAN party. Yeah, that was a <laughs> hell of a thing. <laughs> you want to watch a fun video, check that one out. Oh, yeah. That's that's just wild, everything about that. Uh, was it? I can't remember. Was it like, didn't he have like six gigabit networks or something running yep. simultaneously? and yeah, that was that was just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> because you can, that's why. Well, yeah, I mean, let's face it. At the end of the day, yeah, you because know, like, there was a thing he actually did a ask me anything the other day, and somebody said, "Are there any decisions you've made for the, you know, like any bad financial decisions you've made for the business?" And they're like, "Well, yes and no." So there's some decisions that have been bad initially, but in the long run, is it because everything we do we put on YouTube and and everything we do basically ends up even when we screw up just our youtube revenue we end up making money on it so you know there's there's not really any decisions per se that um a bad business decisions there might be some questionable financial decisions yeah but everything ultimately has worked <laughs> so all comes out in the wash yeah so you know it's it's interesting how that happens <laughs> um I can't seem to make any financial decisions that work. No. So That's the problem. Right? The <laughs> yeah. Here's a decision. Should we do some news? Um, if I say no, can we go home? Okay. I am home. Wait. What? Uh, not, I mean, not, not, not to our home, to somebody else's home. Oh. <laughs> hope they got pizza. Can't, can't knock on your neighbour's door. <laughs> I'm staying the night. <laughs> Don't eat much. Where's the, where's the liquor cabinet? I've already been fed and watered. You good? Yeah. <laughs> Just put me to bed. <laughs> Both houses of New South Wales Parliament have passed mandatory data breach notification rules that will apply to state agencies and departments, statutory authorities, local councils, and some universities. The Privacy and Personal Information Protect. Holy cow! What kind of bill is this? The private. <laughs> the Privacy and Personal Information Protection Amendment Bill. Passed the upper house on Wednesday, having cleared the lower house of the previous day. The bill is now marked as awaiting assent. It's due to become into force a year after assent. The leader of the opposition in the Legislative Council, Penny Sharp, said state Labor had been asking for these changes for quite some time. We are pleased that the government has finally brought a proposal before the House to deal with this serious issue, and I indicate at the outset that we do not oppose the bill, she said. New South Wales public sector agencies hold substantial sensitive information about the people of New South Wales, including personal, health and financial information. It is currently not mandatory for New South Wales public sector agencies to report data breaches of personal and health information under the Privacy and Personal Information Protection Act. I have to say I'm completely shocked by that. Greens MP Abigail Boyd called the the changes long overdue. The bill does not do anything to keep our information safer from theft. It merely imposes a mandatory obligation on state-owned corporations and public sector agencies to disclose to people impacted by a breach of data held by that corporation or agency, she said. Frankly, it's astonishing that the obligation does not already exist and that it requires legislating at all. 
Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the legislation part of it that's the dumb part. Yeah. Like, <laughs> common courtesy and, and appreciation for other people is just completely... Does that, it's disappeared that much from society that you have to pass legislation for people to do something that they should be doing anyway? Especially for businesses, yep. Oh, if they don't say we have to do it, we ain't going to do it. We don't care. You know, and I mean, like, well, I was going to say it's in their best interest to do it, but I mean, even my daughter having said that, uh, but, but what are they going to constitute as a data breach? Like, they're going to have to have some pretty, you know, pretty um, interesting guidelines because you can have a data breach without having uh, data, like having people. How, how, how can I say it? Get into <laughs> you can have a data breach that stuff. isn't really actually an issue and you're just going to get people worked up over nothing. Like you could literally have it just have a data breach where it's only stolen, um, I don't know, say it's stolen their account numbers and that's all they got. Yep. So, well, that's pointless because they have no cross-reference for any of that information. Like yeah. They can't do anything with it. But does that mean that still has to be reported? That means everybody's going to freak out and, uh, you know, change their username and passwords and go and redo their licenses again? I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I get me. that if, if, if their data has been compromised to the point where that information is actually tangibly usable information, yeah. yes, absolutely. But, I mean, how many mild data breaches happen every year where a bulk email gets sent out to... 27,000 people in the CC instead of the BCC line. Yeah. I mean, does that constitute a data breach? Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. This is the problem. You, you can't over-legislation always, and this is exactly what we're seeing now with the 2FA garbage that's going on with everything being legislated and the tax office legislating accounting companies to have to have 2FA and all this stuff that's happening the more legislation you put in place to make people do things the more they work the system and find loopholes so they don't have to yeah the, and they spend so much time energy and effort avoiding having to do it um that it, it becomes counterproductive and and the opposite often entails like you know security suffers because you know instead of instead of Worrying about, you know, as I said, as I was saying, instead of worrying, people worrying about keeping their information secure, they're just trying to give it to as many uh, password protection services as they can, so they haven't got to think about four hundred and fifty-seven character passwords. Yeah, and you end up. So now, when with when that when that simply pass or one of those password sites gets hacked and the data gets stolen out of there, then what do you do? Because now the place that you've stored all your passwords isn't safe. You don't have that list of passwords because they've been turned off so that nobody else can access it. So you can't access any of your password list to get to the website to change your password from your password list because you can't use it in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> you end up with everyone having password 123 because I get an SMS with a code. So without the code, they can't get in there. So I can make my password password 123. And then I mean, it makes it a, too easy. I was on a website, I was on a government website today. Uh, it basically said you must have an eight-letter password, which is relatively standard. Yep. It must contain one capital letter, one number, and one uh, non-alphanumeric. Yep. And this is on 
a federal government website. <laughs> Eight characters not uh, enough. Yeah. And if you put the wrong password in or you put a uh, a lesser password in, yep. it's not like it stops you. Oh. It just goes, you, it should be stronger than that, but you can still proceed if you want. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but it's okay because you told us that you're you because you just said to send the email, the confirmation email to that email address that you just provided. Who else could it be? It doesn't send it to the email address it has on record. Oh. It asks you to log in with 2FA using the email address that you provide to log in. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you've got somebody's username and password but you don't have access to their emails, it doesn't matter because you get to tell it to send where the confirmation code anyway. Wow. <laughs> Super secure. <laughs> and if you click I forgot my password, um, then it goes forgot. What was it? forgot password or don't have access to email you click on don't have access to email it says okay well, I want to use name password and you put that in that says where would you like a confirmation code sent to oh when you, you can have it sent to your email or to your mobile and you get to choose which one and you get to send the <laughs> actually type in what you, where you want it sent <laughs> uh. <laughs> so that's actually probably slightly worse than doing nothing at all <laughs> At least when you type in a username and password and it comes up and says incorrect, at least tell me, is it my username or my password that's incorrect? Yep. Because I've got multiples of both and I don't know which one you don't like. <laughs> you don't have to tell me what it is. No. Just tell me username invalid or password invalid. Don't just say information invalid because that doesn't help me find the right answer. Because <laughs> even when I go and say forgot password, it says enter username, you enter username and it says sent to email address you have on file. If you're not a valid user account, then it won't get sent anywhere. It's like, but yeah. <laughs> how do I know what it is if you're not going to send it to me? <laughs> or just tell me it's wrong. Tell me it's invalid. Then I can try a different one I've got. Yeah. Uh, stupid passwords. Anyway. Enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, as you know, you guys probably know, we're using Zoom. We have used Zoom for quite a while. We find it relatively good and stable Fantastic. and does everything it needs to do. Um, but, as to be expected, um, shares of Zoom video communications have tumbled about 90% from their pandemic peak in October wow. 2020. Big as the former investor Darling struggles to adjust to post-COVID world. The stock went down nearly 10% on Tuesday after the company cut its annual sales forecast and posted its slowest quarterly growth, prompting at least six brokerages to cut their price targets. The company, which became household names during lockdowns due to the popularity of video conferencing, is trying to reinvent itself by focusing on business with products such as cloud calling service, Zoom phone, and conference hosting Zoom uh, rooms. Analysts, however, say that turnaround in the business is still a few quarters away with growth mainstay unit. Slow, excuse me, slow and competition from Microsoft um, Teams and Cisco WebEx and Salesforce's Slack gets intense. So it's interesting, yeah. Um, Q like two, two and three. Um, and Q and Q twenty twenty one was like its best, and then it sort of obviously it's tailed off. Which I mean, yeah. Um. The, the the one thing that kind of hurt them, Zoom has needed to spend heavily to keep hold of the market share, spending to cling rather than to grow. 
Um, the company operates expense, expenses surged 56% in the third quarter as it spent more on product development and marketing. And adjusted operating margins shrunk to 34% from 39 So part of the problem is it's spending so much money just trying to hang on rather than reinvent itself. Mm. Um, it's nearly one of those cases where you're better off stop developing the product you've got, leave it because it works perfectly fine. It doesn't need to be touched for a while. Yep. And focus on redeveloping or redesigning the product. I think I saw they um, were thinking of adding on calendars and all sorts of stuff now. Exactly. It's, and it's hard too because obviously a lot of people are going back to work and things are changing, although a lot of stuff is staying virtual. And there has needed to be a decent video conferencing software uh, regardless of that. Since Microsoft but, screened up Skype. Yeah, but see now Discord does video. Oh. Uh, and it's and it's a multi-room, multi-access, multi-tiered structure. It's much more versatile than than Zoom. Uh, Telegram does video and actually does really, really good video. Um, it does has actually quite a nice, quite a few nice features with the video and the way it handles stuff and the way it has. Telegram is very similar to, I guess, either. Oh, no, not really even Skype. What was that one we were using? Um, Uvu. Uvu. Back in the day when it was very good from a mobile. It uh, had really good, really low latency, really good clarity, and particularly very good audio clarity. But it also had, um, uh, I guess like Facebook in my respects, you can start a group yep. and you can just have one or two or ten people in that group you know, whoever you want to have. And each each conversation is held independently of, of the other one. It's not like uh, Discord where you join and leave rooms and swap rooms. Yeah. You're actually locked into these groups until uh, you leave, obviously. Um, and so you can have a, a one-on-one or a multi, multi-conversation and stuff. So there are other things, and they're free. Like they're not, and this is, I think this is what's hurting Zoom. They now lock down the, the one-on-one side of it. So a lot of people are going to alternatives because a lot of, you just want to call your grandparents or you want to call your mate. You don't want to spend whatever it is, 10 bucks a month or whatever it is, just to have that feature. You know, It's a bit different for business because it's a tax write-off and all that yeah. sort of stuff, so it doesn't really matter. But And then limit them to 40 minutes or something. Yeah. You know, like... If you know, I, mean, like, I, I talk to my sister occasionally, especially at the moment with the, the floodwaters and stuff, and they're under evacuation orders and all that stuff. And it's easy to kill two or three hours, not really even talking, just having a phone on phone on speaker and occasionally having a conversation in between. Yeah, you know, so it's not hard to do that sort of time. And um, a lot of these other programs do that better. Uh, Zoom on mobile is actually horrible. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's really bad. Uh, it's it works perfectly fine. It's just the um, the audio, which is you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a podcast, whether it's a video, whatever you're watching, even a movie you watch, audio is always the key feature. Yep. Like I can watch a crappy a crappy cam copy of a movie if it's got good audio. But it can be the best 4K video in the world if the audio shit, I won't watch it. And that's true whether it's a meeting software, whether it's Zoom, Skype, whatever. Um, And for some reason on now, like desktop, it's fine. But on mobile, the the audio is just horrendous. I don't know if 
they, they should downsample the video a bit to get better audio quality, but I think they're sacrificing audio quality to get better video. Yeah. Um, which, given that it's a technically a business uh, uh, orientated sort of orientated, that's not a word, oriented software, um, mainly for business clients and things like that, the audios always should be your priority. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'd, I'd hate for them to go away because they have shaken up the market to the point where people have realised what they need. Yeah. But, um, heck, on the way they're going, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. Like, realistically, they're, they're almost to the point where they're not, you know, they're almost not turning a profit now. Yeah. Um, they're currently, their last margin was 34%. Realistically, most businesses, once you hit, between 25 and 30% operating margin, you're not turning a profit. Yeah. So they're really in that, um, they're really in that sort of ballpark where it won't take much more of a drop and they're going to be losing money. And of course, once you start doing that, well, you can't do that so, very long. Yep. Um, maybe their next best move is to open source it. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how the open source community will pay for things when it does what they want it to do or where it has features that they can implement and when there's add-ons. I mean, could you imagine having something like with the power of the waiting room and, and the back end that Zoom has automatically tied into something like OBS where you don't have to add it as an integration where it actually becomes part of it and you can manage the wait room and manage the callers and manage the screen layout and all that directly through OBS? Yeah. You know, I could see something like that being a fantastic solution. And people, I mean, I'd pay 20 bucks a month to have that as a feature that you could use, you know. Yeah. So, and Zoom yeah, can be we'll the back end. Yeah. They're agreeing calls for future mobile coverage funding, such as under the Mobile Black Spot program, <coughs> to encourage active network sharing around telecommunications characters, or carriers. That consensus emerged <laughs> <I> in... Think- <laughs> <laughs> they're all characters. That consensus emerged in submissions published by a Senate inquiry into co-investment in multi-carrier regional mobile infrastructure. The black spot model of funding a single carrier to build on a site has resulted in patchy service availability. Tower owner Indra's property and customer engagement manager Jason Hawley told a committee. As a result, rural residents often find themselves having to carry mobiles from Telstra and Optus in case of a breakdown on a long trip. Mm-hmm. Well, he also told the committee that growing demand for connectivity for farm equipment was a brand new problem. Repairing a $750,000 tractor might assume the technician has access to the mobile network. I guess especially if they've got those John Deere tractors that everything yep. has to be online all the time. We're talking about that the other week. And that, yep. that was a problem that they have regularly because not like in America they have, well, actually in America they still have the old CDMA network so they still have Decent rural coverage. Yeah. Um, but we don't have that here. That's not a thing. No. Fixing on-farm coverage would yield up to $8 billion in productivity growth by enabling autonomous tractors and other robotics, he said. Pivotel's submission to the inquiry noted that while carriers offer co-location at black-funded, black-spot-funded sites, that rarely attracts other carriers to the location. Telstra, which has received 80% of black-spot funding, only has other carriers at 35% of its funded towers. Pivotel wants to see Blackspot-funded sites utilise active REN sharing, not just be open to equipment co-location opportunities. 
As Pivotel noted in its submission, impediments to the use of active REN sharing are largely strategic and commercial. Policy interventions by government have been shown to be necessary to break down such barriers. Pivotel advocates that the MNO mobile network operator who becomes responsible to deploy a site subsidised by the public purse should provide active REN sharing access to other operators on a commercial basis. Telstra and TPG are also pro-sharing, not surprising as the two are hoping to have a formalised sharing arrangement approved by the ACCC. TPG called for co-funded mobile infrastructure to be open access in the future. Didn't you say Telstra gets 80% and the other providers get 35? Yeah, they're 35 <laughs> on the Telstra network. So 80, 80% of the black spot funding goes to Telstra, but of those towers, only 35% are being shared with other carriers. Uh, make, I was going to say because maths yeah. is hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm the same. Like, I'm with Vodafone. Uh, I have been for years because you can see my phone is stupid. <laughs> Why is that reflect? It's it's a blue phone. It's not green in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> anyway, um, so if I turn the screen on, does that screw it up? No, it still doesn't. Want. No. See, this is the problem with <laughs> with Zoom. They need to fix their green screen. Um, but yeah, like, I've been with Vodafone for years. I love them. I, I have almost no faults. Um, and that's not totally true. My work phone is Aussie Broadband. Yeah, because uh, I'm with Aussie Broadband, so work mobile is Aussie Broadband as well. But the reason we're with, da- with Vodafone is we have a big data pool. So my phone, I've got Son's phone, I've got my mother-in-law's phone, I've got my brother-in-law's phone, and I've got another device on there too, a tablet, I think. And so we get shared data pool. Yep. Um, and we get like 500 gig a month or something. Um, and we're paying $49 a month for the, phone, for the plans. <laughs> so it's just ridiculous. And you can't get that anywhere else. Um, but you're correct. But when we travel, uh, I've got a like an old 10-year-old, um, three something, 10-year-old candy bar phone that when we go traveling, we just charge up, shove a $2 Telstra prepaid in it, put $10 worth of credit on it and chuck it in the glove box yep. because when something goes pear-shaped, that's gonna, if we're going to have signal, that's going to be the best chance of having signal. Um, it's actually that old. It actually has an external aerial connection that we have a magnetic aerial that I can stick on the roof of the car. Oh, nice. So it's a, just a little, you know, little three-inch aerial or something. So it's a you know, three, three or four decibel gain. But that, you know, if if there's any chance at all of having signal, that's going to pick it up. Um, and actually, have you seen out west? They have the mobile boosters. Oh, okay. Now they've got them. I think it's the Hume Highway. Is it the one that runs across Australia? Yeah. Across another ball. They've got what they call mobile boosters. They're basically a parabolic dish, like a satellite dish. Yeah. Uh, and where the LNB is, which is what you would, on a satellite dish, the LNB is what receives the data from the, from the signal. But they basically have effectively like a flat plate uh, on like a, well, like a stand, like it stands up like that. So you can put your phone on it and your phone sits up like that. Yep. And it's right at the focal point of the satellite dish and the satellite dish is pointed at the closest tower, which could be a few hundred k's away. And it actually boosts the signal to the point where you might have one or two bars of signal. Oh, so nice. you can actually make a phone call. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've started seeing those pop up. They're, they're pretty cool. They're just randomly in the middle of nowhere. There's just this phone booster, yeah, um, which is a really good idea. Um, so you might have a chance of getting signal. The other thing you can do if you are stuck in the middle of nowhere and you 
don't have signal is stand up on the roof of your car, which does two things. One, and hold your phone above your head. It does two things. One, it puts the phone higher, so you more basically the way a signal travels, it travels in waves, up and down waves and peaks. So if you can get the phone higher, you're more likely to catch one of those waves. The other thing, it sounds like a hippie, you're going to get higher so you can catch a wave. It's a, it's a hippie, <laughs> hippie surfer. <laughs> Um, but the other thing it does is standing on the roof of the car, the actual car becomes more of an amplifier and it's more likely to bounce the signal off the boot or the bonnet of the car and bounce it into your phone. So um, we, I've done that a couple of times down in Victoria when we were under footy training and stuff. One of the guys flipped their car and we had no signal and his car was upside down, but we jumped up on the car and even though it was upside down, jumped up on the car and stood up and held the phone up and we got like one bar, which is enough to send a text message back then. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, this is the problem. Telstra has such a infrastructure uh, advantage because of the way the legislation is written yeah. that even if somebody else wants to either piggyback off a tower or put another tower in, effectively Telstra has to approve it. Right. Uh, because otherwise it might interfere with our tower or blah, blah, some other garbage they, they come up with. So there's so many locations that don't have other other network boosters on them purely because Telstra doesn't want them there. Yeah. Um, it's not that Telstra, by default, Telstra's network isn't any better. Their technology is actually lagging a lot of other the providers. But they have an infrastructure boost. They have physically more towers they have physically more boosters therefore by default they have a better signal Um, a lot of other carriers have less towers and in a lot of areas have far less towers and have almost the same coverage because they have better technology so uh so yeah just because they you know telstra is kind of uh favored upon by the uh, legislation writers so they tend to have a fair chunk in well it's like nbn you talk to nbn technically you're an independent contractor or independent operation they they uh can put infrastructure in anywhere they want but if telstra is putting infrastructure in an area the nbn kind of takes second fiddle to it right because telstra gets priority even though realistically one should complement the other one but Telstra gets paid to roll out to an area. So if they're rolling out to an area, then Ben can do the same job. Well, Telstra's going to take priority on it so they get the check. That's yeah. really all it comes down to. So, but, um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, uh, the, 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 great, it's contagious. They are correct. There's definitely a disparity in the legislation. It does need to, it does need to change. Um, I know a lot of rural places for years have been saying, well, you know, and actually Ipswich has an interesting dilemma. Ipswich, uh, sorry, not Ipswich, um, uh, Gympie has an interesting dilemma. All around Gympie, uh, rural, Telstra actually works really well. You get into Gympie, it actually doesn't work very well at all and you're better off with Optus or Vodafone. <laughs> but once you get out of Gympie, you have to use Telstra. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting the way that that can also be the opposite people have to carry two phones there as well but not ironically not for when they're out of town it's for when they're in town <laughs> jeez so it's it's, um, there's yeah I don't know we'll see what happens but there really needs to be some sort of shake up in the industry to, to, to level it all up 
uh, the advent of micro. I mean, there's a lot of communities, not necessarily in America, but but in other. Um, I don't want to say third world countries because I hate that term, but in lesser technologically advanced countries than ours, in some respects, they're far more technologically advanced, I should say, because they have things like micro-mesh networks set up where there might only be very, very limited cell phone communication within the town and nothing rural at all, but they've set up micro-mesh networks so that it doesn't matter where you are, you get internet access. Yeah. You may not be able to make a phone call in a traditional sense, but most phones these days um, have the what is it? The I can't remember what it's Wi-Fi called. Wi-Fi calling, cell cell fire, whatever it is. Where basically, it if you've got Wi-Fi signal, you can still make a phone call anyway. Yep. Um, all my phone so, calls are on Wi-Fi. Hey, all my phone calls are on Wi-Fi while I'm at home. Yeah, mine. I turn my Wi-Fi off at home. Um, because the irony of that is that my my phone signal uh, here, like if I if I from home here, I actually get really bad Wi-Fi on my phone, oh. but I get really good four um, G. Yep. But when I go downtown, I hardly get any four G, and it's like two hundred meters that way. So <laughs> I don't really know. This house has got a lot of really dodgy wiring in it. Uh, um, well, I say dodgy; it's old. It's a sixty, seventy-year-old wiring. Yep. And I think a lot of it interferes with the the Wi-Fi because you walk more than six foot away from the router and you don't get signal. Oh, jeez. Um, in one direction. But you can walk the whole entire length of the backyard and you get signal if, <laughs> if you're in one particular spot. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. But, yeah, does it, get, does it come to that? Does it come to the point where communities set up their own mesh networks to cover paddocks and farms and... Probably need to, and stuff yeah. and people just pay you know 10 bucks a month or something to have access to this mesh network that lets them have data communication get their femtocells like they do in the US yeah but I mean you've still got to have like if you're relying on those the problem with that you've still got to have a decent broadband connection yeah um, and a lot of rural doesn't <laughs> have yeah. the, like a lot of this especially if they've got satellite uh, internet it's absolutely horrific for phone calls the latency can be six seven eight hundred millisecond latency um, um it's i mean data's data's data data's not going to care yeah. but it's not going to help your phone call any because it's <laughs> the the between the packet loss uh and the lag having voice communications on satellite is absolutely horrendous on um not on all of them. I th- and I would imagine the new the, the Starlink's probably apparently Starlink actually is really good for that. Yep. Um, but that's traditional expensive. satellite setups are. But there's, I mean, that's another option, I guess. If everyone had just has a Starlink, you know, problem solved. Yeah, I mean, you still need a mesh network though, because you're on, still on limited range. Like we're talking out in the middle of Australia, you can have farms that are, you know, several thousand k's in any direction. Yeah. So, I mean, you still need to have, and this is where analog was was perfect because you could have a, a, um, a shortwave radio, a shortwave antenna in your in your backyard of the, the farmhouse, and it would reach. Well, it would reach halfway across the globe, but it would it would reach all your paddocks. And if you most UHFs, I can't remember the channels. I, I want to say it's like channel um, twenty one and t- or 
23 and 24, something like that. They're actually data channels. Right. Um, and you can, you can actually send, oh, it might have been 15 or 16. I can't remember the old, old analog signals, but the, the old CBs used to have dedicated two channels that for data. They had a send channel and a receive channel. So you could actually send, okay, it was slow. It was a you know, radio frequency signal, but it was still enough to do basic communications. Yeah basic data communication um, and up until recently a lot of the emergency services that's how their their transponders worked because um, it was just so reliable over huge distances yeah so there are options I, I guess it just depends do we want to rely on the the carriers to come up with solutions or is there going to be some private company like there is in what was that guy in uh, was it Columbia he started up his own Mesh network ISP. There's all crap. <laughs> so he started his own one. Yeah, uh, you know, and people pay him because at the end of the day, it's it works perfectly fine. It's better than what's commercially available. Yeah. I mean, are we due for that sort? Are we due for that sort of overhaul in this country? Maybe. <laughs> Somebody buys himself a dozen uh, a dozen sky mesh dish, uh, dishes and sets up their own yeah. <laughs> private, you know, mesh network. That could be a thing. Yeah, get on it. Done. I'll have it up by next week. Thanks. We'll talk Thanks. all about it. And then I'll wake up. <laughs> <laughs> We're not in Kansas um, anymore. Was that yours or mine? That was yours, eh? Hey? <laughs> Sorry. <I'm, laughs> it's been a long day. Um, so, your favorite person, Elon. Oh. Mate, buddy, pal. Other than a lot of crap he's been getting for stuff that isn't his fault. And don't get me wrong, he's done stuff wrong, but there's just so much going on at the moment that he's getting in trouble for everything, even stuff he's not even doing. <laughs> but um, uh, one interesting, interesting thing that's come out recently, obviously he's charging $8 a month, which is fine for verified ticks. I don't have a problem with that because, once again, 95% of it is commercial. So it's all a tax deduction anyway. But one thing I do like is he's looking at doing um, – uh, they're, they're returning. So there was an issue with uh, blue verification. I you know, won't go into it now because everybody's probably bored to death about reading about it. But basically, things didn't quite go the way they're supposed to. But uh, November 29th, they're relaunching that uh, system correctly to make sure it's actually going to work properly, um, stopping impersonations and that sort of stuff. But what they're looking at doing is he wants to add um, – multiple colored ticks for different things yep. um, so for example um, what's he saying oh, ad seriously why is there 400 ZDNet I'll tell you what absolute Terrible. garbage now they're just their sites are so loaded and I've got ad blockers and their sites are so loaded with ads that literally every time you scroll, one pops up from the top of the page and one pops up at the bottom of the page and leaves about four lines of text in the middle of the page. Like, it's come on, website guys. website with little bits of news sprinkled around. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. I can't even find it. And, it. and it skips every time the one at the top goes up. It pushes the page text down. And then when the one at the bottom comes up, it pushes the page text up. So you're scrolling and it's jittering it's like this because it can't figure out what it's supposed to be doing. <sighs> but basically, <laughs> the short answer from what I was reading this before, if I'll try and do it from memory because I can't freaking find what I was up to, um, they're looking at doing different colored ticks. So blue obviously will be the high-profile verifications currently like they are now. You know, you, yep. your, your corporations or your celebrities and things 
the verifiable um, things that tend to get impersonated a lot, you know, like, you know, Coke's going to give you $20 billion if you follow this account, you know, stuff like that. Yep. The, so all the legit companies are all going to be blue um, like they were because everybody knows that. There's going to be other um, other colors that are going to do different things. I don't have the list of colors in front of me, but for example, there'll be um, so verified individuals who aren't necessarily celebrities, but people who want to be verified. So you might be a YouTuber and you want to have your YouTube account, your Facebook account, your Twitter account, like all that as one sort of thing. They'll be like red or orange or something. And then there'll be just an individual or a private company um, and all who stuff. more wants to protect their IP rather than, um, you know, be the number one person trending on Twitter, you know. So they'll be like a yellow checkbox. So they're still verified that that's they are that legit corporation or that legit person. Yeah. So there's going to be different levels. Then there'll be like a... Um, uh, like your official Twitter staff or your official like help desk staff, they'll have their own color. Uh, so if you get a message from them, like you, you'll know you're actually having a conversation with their, their help desk rather than you know some random. Yep. Um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff like that, and I actually I have to admit I don't don't mind that idea. Um, not all the stuffs, you know, like they won't necessarily be paid verifications. The the blue check's still going to be their biggest highest priority one. Um, so a lot of the other ones you still have to jump through hoops to get them to just prove that you are who you say you are and stuff like that. Yeah, you said one was going to go to like a journalist like uh, New York Times and then they could themselves give out the verified yeah. colour for all their sub stuff. Yeah, yeah the other thing like the sub-accounts. Um, sub-accounts would be different than they are now. Like currently if you're, you know, I'll use that example of a journalist, you know, you, you're, you know, Tom Scott at, Courier Mail and Fred Smith, that Courier Mail, you know, is your sort of thing, but they'll actually be like like a sub account, like there'll be Courier Mail and then there'll be sub account, you know, author, you know, Tom Scott or whatever. Like it'll be like verified in two factor almost because it'll be the actual journalist who's verified and it'll be the newspaper that's verified. So, um, yeah, the, the, there is some stuff that they're doing that is actually going to be pretty cool. And I think. Um, stuff like that is definitely going to work well. It's um, going to bring video to Twitter as well, so you'll be able to do video stuff on there. And also, he's currently just somebody is discovered by looking at the source code and he's um, um, authenticated it that they're going to have encrypted DMs, so people won't be able to see what you're talking about in special messages in private messages. I think that's. Um, only for verified accounts, if I remember correctly. Ah, okay. So if you're not verified, you can't have encrypted messages because terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. I don't know why. I'm guessing that's what it is, but I think it's. I think that's one of the perks that um, because I know like the blue check mark, um, they'll have priority and replies, mentions and searches. Um, they'll also post, be able to post long videos, post long audio. Um, they won't have ads or at least have less ads. I, I dare say they'll still have ads. Yeah, half the ads. <laughs> um, they'll just have less ads. And I think the whole, yeah, I think part of that priority accounts is that, that they're going to have those encrypted yeah. DMs. But I don't think it works. Like it will only be between 
uh, I think, and I can't, it's not in this article, I think I was reading it in a different article, but I think that's only going to be like if two verified accounts message each other. If yeah. one of those accounts is unverified, it's still not going to be encrypted because there's kind of oh, no yeah. point because you don't know the other account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. So, yeah, look, you know, a lot of people bagged him out and gave him a hard time, but I think, you know, for a guy who basically didn't even want the company and then was basically sued into t- buying it, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's done a bad job. Um, you know, those few people who got locked in that car park might think otherwise, but that's not his yeah. fault. you got to admit, <laughs> he didn't do that. That's the security guys. They they were, they were a bit overzealous there. Yep. <laughs> you think if I, I get, okay, firing a thousand people may not have been the coolest thing to do, but it's not like he said fire them, take their cards off them and don't let them out of the car park. Yeah. Like that's on, that's on security, <laughs> that one. They're, they're like, you know, Whoops. you're taking their badges off and they can't, they can't, sign out of the car park like you've got to let them out yeah then takes the bench (laughs) that's that's a little uh little rude that one so it appears though a new way to test major updates to the stable proton branch is on the way a tweet from pierre-loup griffes a steam (laughs) developer with valve showed off a new proton layer that can be downloaded now proton next seems to be an in-between from experimental to stable but focuses more on containing the next stable update rather than constant experimental testing ground. In the tweet, Pierre linked to the GitHub with what looks like a new section that will show the version that is on in Proton Next as well. You can download the layer for yourself by searching Proton at the top. If you scroll down, you'll find Proton Next option and you can install it like a regular game. Immediately after, you'll be able to see the option for Proton Next if you check your compatibility tab. As right now, Proton Next contains Proton 705, which is the next stable update. The update will feature a multitude of fixes and make new games playable. Following titles are now playable with this release. Rift, Unravel 2, Airborne Kingdom, Nancy Drew, Legend of the Crystal Skull, Revolt, Aspire, Ena's Tale, Battle Realms Zen Edition, Death Smiles 2, Primal Carnage Extinction, Pico Park Classic Edition, Six Ages Ride Like the Wind, Dark Star 1, Indiana Jones and the Emperor Tomb and Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition. So, new stuff I like Indy. Yep. Indy was good. Cool. So, for people who are wondering, when we're talking about, you know, proteins and stuff, <laughs> it's uh, it's not a food. Don't worry. Oh. Well, I mean, probably is a food somewhere. But um, it's... So, when you're running Linux... Um, to run your a lot of Windows compatible games because a lot of games now are being dual platform developed. They'll run on Linux natively without any intervention at all. Um, but Steam has Proton installed, and Steam Proton is effectively a, an interpreter. Interprets Linux, makes it thinks it's Windows, so that all, the games can run the way they need to with the correct drivers and correct graphics card settings and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Steam Deck is another example of that. The the Steam handheld controller that they launch, it, it runs Proton natively uh, so games can work. And uh, Pop! OS, which is the OS I'm running, um, Proton does a very good job. And, and a lot of my games run better under this than they do under Windows. Yeah. Um, but every time Proton comes out, it's both good and bad because it fixes a lot of the bugs that are there. And unfortunately, sometimes it also breaks some of the games that currently work. You've got to make sure when you 
upgrade Proton that if a game doesn't work, the first thing you do is you just set it back one revision or two revisions because sometimes that fixes the loading problems. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a very, very good program. It does a very good job of of handling a lot of that interaction. Um, It's getting more lightweight and lightweight. in the early days when you used to launch Proton, it used to take nearly as long to load Proton as it did to load the game. <laughs> it, it was a very, very long, drawn-out process. Um, and you, there was a lot of customizing you had to do. You had to select different graphics things and different sound things and this and that and the other. But now it pretty much does its... The, the, with a couple of exceptions on a couple of games, you basically it's set and forget. You don't need to touch it at all. So it's doing a really good job of that. Um, so it'd be good to see this new one. What? Because uh, there are a couple of games. Not so much on my computer. My computer is pretty beast mode, so it doesn't really care if there's a bit of a graphics issue or something. It sort of just pushes through it. Um, my son's computer's. You know, it's my previous streaming rig to this one, so it's three, probably nearly four year old. So as far as gaming PCs go, it's right on the verge of being useless. <laughs> um, I have put a better video card in it and I've bumped up the RAM a bit, but it, it's, it's CPU limited for the most part. Uh, and once again, for the most part, it works perfectly fine under under Linux. It's got PopOS on it as well. And, and Proton under Steam does a very good job, but uh, there's a couple that are, you have to add flags to the start line commands to get it to think it's running like DX11 and doing a few little oh. hacks and workarounds. Um, but looking at some of the stuff that they're doing in this new version of Proton, uh, it looks like it might fix some of those issues. So that'll be really good. Even even if they can get stable frame rate, it hasn't got to be blindingly fast. Like it'll play on low graphics settings. It'll play anything at you know, 30 or more frames. Yeah. But you get games like uh, Hot Wheels, which doesn't use much system resources, and it'll play at 100 frames, but it'll only play it for 10 minutes and then it just fills the memory up. Like you just sit there and you watch the memory graphs just tick, 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 you're building. So stuff like that, hopefully they'll fix because, um, you know, it'd be great to be able to stay on, um, to keep you, you know, a little bit more compatibility, which, I mean, that's a Linux downfall all in all, isn't it really? Still to this day, like Linux is great. And all my systems here now are on Pop! OS. Um, We don't, I don't use Windows at all except for my media PC and that's only because it's all it does is play YouTube videos. So it's, it doesn't really matter what what that runs on. So, been a fan. Big fan. Yep. Um, speaking of uh, Linux and... Linux? Linux. Linux and Windows. <laughs> uh, why not? Let's keep it at that. <laughs> speaking of Windows, uh, Microsoft Windows subsystem for Linux just hit another milestone. Whoa. Um. The Microsoft Windows system for Linux with WSL uh, for running GNU Linux environments on Windows 10 and Windows 11 has reached version 1 officially and is now generally available. Microsoft's been building WSL, including its own custom Linux kernel, for several years. At first, WS and WSL were optional, WSL 2 were optional components within Windows, but last October, Microsoft made the preview available in the store. The store version could deliver users, most of the developers, uh, fast updates, features independently of Windows. WSL is popular among developers. Stack Overflow's 2022 developer survey revealed WSL used by 15% of developers, behind 31% using Mac OS, 40% using Linux, and 62% using Windows. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not bad, really. 15% market share. That's that's pretty, pretty acceptable. 
as well as WCL shedding um, the preview label, Microsoft's also making the app from the store default for new users. Um, as Microsoft noted last October, the release of Windows 11 long-term plan was to move WSL users to the store version, uh, still supported in the inbox version of WSL while continuing development. With this release, Microsoft's backporting WSL functionality to Windows 10 and 11 to make store versions default experience. Um, the updates are available for Windows 10 uh, and Windows 11 at the end of November. Once you've got the right version, if you're a new user, you can just run WSL install and you'll be set up right away. If you're an existing user, run WSL dash dash update to uh, update the slow store version. Cool. Um, well, so, yeah, so it's now got um, support for System ND, um, which is a service manager, runs by default um, in some distros. Um and yeah, so you can use uh, Linux GUI apps um, in Windows 10 now. It was exclusive only Windows 11, but they're backwards compatible a bit. So you can use all your Linux GUI stuff or your um, whatever you would install if you're using a distribution of Linux, basically in the in the desktop. Nice. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's, it still seems weird to me that you're running Linux under Windows. <laughs> Given that Linux is Windows is written on in Linux anyway, but <laughs> I mean, traditionally you've always just had to run a virtual machine or something. But now it's native support, and which goes along what I'm saying with with Linux. I mean, Pop OS has by default uh, you can run Windows programs on Pop OS. Uh, it has a default install mode where it will install them under a sure it uses a Wine or or something like that. But even Proton now will install a lot of applications directly without running wine you can um do it directly from steam a lot of the time you can actually click on steam go um install non-steam program and click on that and just select it and it'll install it as if it was running in windows it doesn't set another difference yeah um some apps are a bit of a problem because they require a very specific driver that's only windows and that sort of messes things up a bit but like i've got this this is a great (laughs) this is clear and invisible this is a usb temperature uh, submersible temperature probe so when we're doing canning and and stuff like that you put it into the can to make sure you're getting the right um uh temperature at to get rid of all your salmonella and get rid of all your bacteria at certain temperatures for certain times and this works under linux but you can't um access it has its own proprietary driver which you can access <laughs> so I've discovered it's got like a USB thumb drive sort of thing attached, which you can use because it's just a USB thumb drive. But when you go to use the actual data logging part of it, you can't access the tables and can't access the data logging part because it's on this secure part of the disk, which is only accessible with the app. Yeah. And the program's only available under Windows. <laughs> and won't, the program runs on the Linux, but it won't install that. There's like one specific driver file it's looking for, yeah. and it won't work under Linux. So. Yeah. So that's kind of bugging me a bit. I've got to figure out how to make that work. But <laughs> Linux version, guys, get with the program. So there's the the funny thing is, and I, it's kind of I found it a bit weird. It's a commercial uh, kitchen thing, like um, laboratories, kitchens. It, it's specifically designed for that application. I would have thought a lot of laboratories would be running Linux. Yeah. 
So it's like a USB. It's a normal USB on that side. Um, but it's yeah, yeah. It's, I'm stra- it's strange they didn't have a Linux driver for it. I would have thought that would have been a pretty common thing, but apparently mm, not. Guess not. <laughs> so. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Email us, Willow Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.